0: Good morning, church. We are thankful that we have a God, a rock that never moved, that we can hold on to in whatever situation. And God reveals himself in the Bible through many names. He's being called the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Prince of Peace, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Because from all those names, we come to know who He is. When He says, He is the Lord of hosts, then we come to the realization that He is the captain of the host of the heavenlies. So the names of God given to us, so that we know who he really is. And many times in God's people, God is dealing with his people and he changed names. From Abraham, the exalted father, God changed to Abraham, father of many nations. From Jacob, which means supplanter, Somebody who took what is belong to another with a trick, with a deceit, taking away somebody else's. But God says your name will be changed to Israel. Means God prevails. Because when you have a name, when when God called you are no longer Jacob, but you are Israel, then every day. You know, he's being called Israel. Israel, Abraham, father of many nations. Even though he doesn't even have a son yet. He's being called Abraham, father of many nations. Father of many nations. And even here in Asia, a name, you know, is linked with reputation. And this is one of the names that... um, here, especially in Asia, they try to maintain a reputation. If their name or their reputation is you know, tainted, it's like it's a big shame to them. Well, now let's look at um, Revelation chapter 3. How God deals with name also. A name... A name being alive, but actually is dead. Now that's kind of sad or irony. But this is what when the Spirit of God is telling us, God really never tried to flatter. He never tried to deceive us. But he will tell us truth in love so that we will be saved so let's look first at revelation 3 verse 1 we'll read this one first to the angel of the church in sardis write he who has the seven spirits of god and the seven stars says this i know your deeds that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead. So God is sending a message to his church and one of the church is Sardis. You know, Sardis, it means, uh, it's being interpreted in different ways. One means red ones because in the city, they have a a business of dyeing wool. So they dye the color red, maybe. And the other, Interpretation is Prince of Joy because this church is coming out from the congregation of Thyatira and Pergamum. The church where rampant idolatry, immorality, and now something is coming out. And if you see in the historical The timeline of Sardis will be the time when Martin Luther comes with the reformation. Reforming of what the church used to be. You can be saved if you do some works. You can be saved if you pay a certain amount. And then comes Martin Luther to bring the truth of God. That salvation is only by grace. But it doesn't stop there. The joy doesn't stop there because God is continually reforming His church. So from reformation, we have all the way down until the awakening, until the Pentecostal in Azusa, and even until now, the apostolic prophetic movement. So God is continuing to processing the church. It also means that which remains are those escaping. Escaping from the condition of the church that looks to be alive, but actually inside they are dead spiritually. And this should be... uh, a message for us also in these last days because in 2 Timothy, is being warned that people, they do godliness, but they deny its power. So they do the form, but there is no power. It is only a form of godliness, nothing inside. So, who is he who addressed the church in Sardis? God says, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Seven means perfect. So, the seven spirits of God, it's, you can see in the tabernacle, there is the lamb stand, it has seven branches. So the Spirit of God is sevenfold. It's perfect. It's going through all the earth. And the Spirit of God perfectly knows the depth of our heart. Because the Spirit of God is like looking into the depths of our hearts with a torchlight. What we don't know, maybe what people don't see, God can see deep down inside. And God says he also has the seven stars. Who are the stars? The stars are the leaders of the church. Or it can be interpreted also the angels who is over the churches. So God is declaring, I am the one who has authority over The leaders of the church. So, above the church leaders, there are now so many different kind of churches. Maybe during Sundays or maybe during the online services, so many different kind of leaders in the church. But God is the one who has the authority, And he is examining, he is judging the motivation, the intent of the heart. Sometimes, maybe people can brought up things just to get some money. Maybe now, through the online platform, they just want to get a lot of views. But, The motivation is not pure. So God is the one who is above all these leaders. So in other words, God is saying, I am the all-knowing God. God is omniscience. He knows everything. Omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. There is nothing that escapes his eyes. Even when we are alone in our own room, never escapes his eyes. Now we are, we see now that technology has been able to make cameras that can, you know, zoom in for so many distance and with clarity. And God can zoom in from heaven. He can zoom in into our rooms in the house. Every time. And this God is the one who is speaking to the church. And when he says, I know your deeds. I like the amplified version. He says, I know your records. I know your records, I know your history, I know what you have done, what happened to you, I know. And I know what you are doing now. So nothing that we do, escape. So for all those who minister in this sanctuary, but also for all those who pray in the homes... God looks and he knows everyone who's doing it with their whole heart. Serving God. Praying. And he says, I know your deeds that you have a name that you are alive. You know, uh, Sardis now, nowadays, it's in modern Turkey. So, it's It's close to Ephesus, you know, so all those in Turkey. And what's interesting in this city, the remains, is that they found is a synagogue. But the special thing about this synagogue is the size of the synagogue. It's big and it's quite intricate, even the mosaic of the floor also on the f- walls it represents that at that time there, this is a reputable synagogue and it's in the middle of the city usually they found synagogues at the f- at the edges of the city it's not in the center but this one in the center and the size is big and the work in the synagogue is very intricate so that means that at that time the church it's really flourishing so the church in Sardis they have a name that they are alive meaning the church have a lot of programs activities things still going on Many members coming, looks good. Reputation, very good. But God says, but you are dead. This really struck into the depths of our hearts. The way God looks is so different. He doesn't look at the outside. The outside is good as long as it comes from the inside. That's also my cry. God, I don't want this ministry just to be the outside. This ministry should be only an overflow from what is in the inside. In the inside, overflowing and that's it. And how is it being called dead? Colossians 2, verse 13, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. We can be dead when we live in sins. Dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That means we follow after our desires. Fleshly desires, passions. When we do that, when we live in sin, when we haven't come to the point of repentance, in God's eyes, our spirit is dead. We are not connected with God. Disconnected. So it's off, just like when you unplugged, disconnected, then the radio or whatever electricity is off. So when we are in sin, we are dead in God's eyes. James 2, verse 17 and 26, it says, so also faith by itself, it if it does not have works, is dead. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now in James, is even more. These is the ones who call themselves Christian. All of us, just like all of us. And we have faith, but we don't have works of faith. That means we say, I believe. I believe you, God. But in our behavior, in our works every day, it doesn't show that we believe. Maybe we are in a worry, in a fear. Or maybe just lie a little bit to our spouse, lie to our bosses. So that's not a work of faith. We have faith, but our work says the otherwise. It's being called, it's dead. And God will judge every one of us according to our deeds. So we need to remember God will not ask, What is your belief? But God will judge according to our deeds. What we do. The judgment of God is according to what we do. So, what should we do? Let's continue in Revelation, now chapter uh, verse 2 and 3. God says, "'Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent.'" Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So, we need to hear the message from God in this hour. Because in this hour, it's so difficult. It seems like we are so sleepy. Spiritually, we want to sleep. But God says, wake up, strengthen the things that remain. So obviously this is at the point of dying. Everything is unraveling. If we don't wake up, it's about to die very soon. And remember what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. So... There is God's part, but there is also our part. God will do his part, but we need to do our part. When God says, wake up. When God's already nudging you, come on, wake up. And we were like awake at certain hour, but after waking up, we feel like, oh, I'm still tired. Oh, my body feels so weak. Oh, I just go back to sleep. So we don't (laughs) cooperate with the nudging of God. So we need to wake ourselves up and strengthen. Whatever we have, we need to strengthen. What do we need to strengthen? It's the word of God and the spirit. And remember, what you have received and heard. That's why I'm so glad when I see, you know, when you listen to the message and you write down something. Maybe for some people, you know, writing down is really help them to remember. Because if we don't do something, our brain easily forget, right? Maybe sometimes just after one day, two days, what's the message on Sunday? Mm, it will take a while right? We need to remember But if we write down So every time God spoke to you Just write it down Maybe it's in your Bible You can write down Put the date So you remember Remember And keep it And repent So this is the key that we need to do And let us repent every day Every day, use the opportunity as long as it is still called today. Therefore, God says, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So we read in other passages, passages in the scripture so many that, that says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But God says, if we wake up, if we keep alert, we will not be surprised. We will know. It will not come just like a thief suddenly. If we wake up. You know, in order to wake up when it's sleepy hours, You really need a boost, right? Whether it's from coffee or maybe from your friend. That's why we should not forsake our coming together. We should not forsake small groups. We should not forsake praying for one another. That's helping us. Come on. You need to wake up. And let's see here, God says, why? In verse 2, he says, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So this is the thing that we will look. God says, your deeds, your work is not complete yet. Now this is talking maybe for us. We feel like we've done it. Sometimes when we ask our kids, we ask them, have you studied for the exam? Yes, I did. Already done. Done. (laughs) They've done it. But when the score coming out, it was like, (gasps) How come you say you've done it, and then look at the score? They say, we've done it. We say to God, I've done it. But God says, that's your standard of doing it. But according to my standard, it's not perfect. We say, this is good enough, God. But in God's standard, no, not yet. It's not yet completed. So this word complete, that means to make full, fill to the full, nothing lacking, complete in every particular, even to make it perfect, to carry through the end. Not just halfway, but to carry to the end. To perform, execute, and to fulfill. In other words, we obey God's will to fulfill His will and His promises until it's being fulfilled. All the way. So God is saying, I do not found even one thing that you do is perfect. So this is a message for us that if God has given us still today, if God still given us opportunity, let's complete what God has called us to do. Let's not have God say to us later, I haven't found your work being completed. And we see even Jesus, even Jesus himself, how can he be made perfect? In Hebrews 2.10, For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. How we can finish in perfection? There is no way to get around what is called suffering. If we want to be perfect in God's eyes, He will let you go through places and times when you feel like everybody is against you. When you feel like you are all alone. Unless you go through that suffering, through fire, you cannot be perfect. Because when everything is all right, we are all all right. But when things come to press us down, maybe when you are sick with certain sickness over time, and then you start to complain. Maybe if your problems keep going on and on and on, you start to complain. So we learn through suffering how to be perfect in chapter 5, verse 5 and 8. Although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience from the, the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Even Jesus himself, even though he was the son, but in his humanity, he had to go through suffering to become perfect. So I hope this will change the way you look at your problems. Sometimes we want our problems to go away as soon as possible. But when we look at this, let us see our problems as circumstances that God puts in us to process us to become perfect when you can praise God in good times, that's good. But in bad times, can you still praise Him? When you can praise God in bad times, that means good, perfect. And how to be perfect? You know all these things with Jesus. When I think about it, Meditate on it. Jesus, his life was only 33 years old. And 30 30 years he spent in preparation. And he was given only three years of ministry. And in three years only, he carried out the will of God perfectly. Wow. When I think about it, if If you are being given only three years, you have to fulfill all the mission God has in your life. Three years time. So Jesus makes every day, every minute count in order to fulfill everything perfectly in three years but the same spirit that helps jesus is being given to us so we can do and follow the footsteps of jesus and we see how can be we be made perfect 2 Corinthians, he says, you can do all ministry. You can give everything you have, but without love. No use. Colossians 3, verse 14, and above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness or perfection. You want to be perfect in everything that you do? Do it for the love of God. Even if you wash dishes at home, do it for the love of God. You forgive your spouse, you forgive your children, you forgive your friends for the love of God. Because I want to love you, God. Many times, I have to bring myself. Lord, if I want to speak, let it be because I love you, God. That means loving the church, loving his body. You know, we are praying for you. We are praying for your growth. We are praying for your life with God to have that victory. And that's, if we do it without the love of God, what for? But we do for the love of God, even every little things that you do, be it cameraman, soundman, everything. You drive your kids to here and there, do it for the love of God. And there you will find perfection. Let's continue in Revelation 3 verse 4 until 6. But you have a few people, literally it it says a few names in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now the word name, name, name is being repeated again and again in this small, just only six verse. Is being repeated four times God will acknowledge your name God will confess your name God will not erase your name There are few names You know that few So God finds a remnant The majority are dead But God says, few are still walk with me in white. So, let's not follow any majority whatsoever it is. Because we need to find our heart right with God. This is where we deal with God. Walk with Him in white. So, these names... Is connected with our garments, our robes. Whether your name will stay or your name will be taken out from the book of life, it has to do a lot with your garments, with your clothes. And actually, the robe of righteousness is being given by God. But we need to put it on. How? Coming to the cross. Saying, I'm sorry God. I've done so much, so this and that. I'm sorry Lord. I repent. And in that moment at the cross, there is an exchange. You will be given the righteousness of God, not your righteousness. And that robe of God, you need to keep. It's very difficult, right? When you have white pants, white clothes, in order to keep it clean, right? You have to be careful where to sit, how to eat. So God has given us a robe of righteousness, but we need to keep it. We need to keep walking in white garments. And these white garments... He's talking about in Revelation 7. is people, many people, they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's why we do communion. Because in communion, you come to the blood of Jesus. You say, Lord, please forgive me. The blood of the Lamb is the only thing that can bleach your clothes and make it white. Revelation 19, it was granted her to clothe herself, given, but we need to put it on with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So it's talking again about our deeds, our actions, our words, our behavior. How do you speak to your friends? How do you speak to your spouse? And Ecclesiastes 9, verse 8, it says, Let your garments be always white. And let not oil be lacking on your head. Because we never know when God is coming. Can be any time so your garment be always the moment god tells you you don't need to wait for communion maybe once a month but the moment conviction come to your heart that minute say lord please forgive me by the blood of jesus help me lord jesus and Jesus said, If you confess, I will be faithful to forgive. <laughs> Amen.